Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. What do you think? Did it get up? I mean, of all things to say. What? <laughs> what? That family picnic sometimes. Get <laughs> <laughs> you more than just a great salad. Are you kidding me, Mike? Oh my God, that is hilarious. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. And it is Tuesday, July the 11th. And uh, we're in the Bojangle studio. This episode of Dirty Air is going to be brought to you by Ally. And um, they usually do our guest uh, segments each week, Mike. And I'm assuming the reason why we're going to allow them to have ownership of this Tuesday show is because we got a special announcement. We do. Um, I am wearing this hat, right? I got this hat on my head. Nobody can see it, but it's a hat that I had a buddy of mine make. And um, I got a patch, an Austerlin racing patch, right? And uh, put it on a $4 hat. And I uh, had a couple of them. And so, I talked to you yesterday. I said, man, you know, coming on the show, one of us ought to wear one of these hats. So, I, I went into your office, and I had a bucket of hats, and uh, I said, here, pick one. And you go, well, I like this one and this one. Can I have two? And I yeah. said, yeah, you can have two. <laughs> Everyone else gets to choose one. Mike takes two hats, and he said, I'm going to wear one tomorrow. And I said, this morning when I got up, I said, I better wear my hat because he's not going to wear his. And he not only took two hats out of the bucket, but he didn't even wear the damn thing today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, did I? No. No, I didn't. I, I'm planning to, though. Listen, well, I'm, first of all. We're very happy that you're right. planning on wearing the hat well, since look, you took two of them. You're going to tell us why you're wearing an Austerlin hat, and then I'm going to tell you that that's not just a one-week uh, idea that yeah. we're going to roll well, out. And so that I got multiple right. weeks you to got a lot of wear proudly yeah, wear yeah. my Austerlin hat. Good point, good point. The reason why uh, Ally is sponsoring today's show, not only because um, – we're big fans of theirs, and they're big fans of ours, and um, everything they do in the sport is amazing. They um, won't be able to sponsor tomorrow's guest show because we will not have a guest. Well, actually, I, I should say we have a very special guest, and it is a new series that we're putting together here at Dirty Mo Media. The team has been hard at work. Basically, I wanted to do um, an audio series about the 1979 season, and if it goes well, we may do the 1980 season and see where it goes. But anyways, um, it's a little bit of a step away from our typical guest interview, but I basically sat down and came up with an idea of how to uh, 
of what I wanted to do, right? And I basically want to narrate this this season race by race and get into some of the details, not of like, you know, who took two tires and who took four tires to, to, you know, who had the right strategy for the win, but just the ebbs and flow of the garage, the arguments, the, 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 the disagreements and the, the rivalries and allies and all the little nuances uh, from race to race uh, as the season goes on. 1979 is my dad's first year. The most important race of, of arguably of NASCAR's history is the Daytona 500 from that year. Really, we got our first, you know, really good TV contract that sent us into a new, um, you know, a new level of, of race fan engagement. Uh, you know, the sport grew from that. I think it's a cool uh, opportunity to tell that story. And there's a, there's a lot of really cool things. I don't want to dive too deep into it, but there, there's a lot of things. that. So I'll just say, um, during that year, Dad wrote a bi-monthly article himself a, a personal column a personal right, column like, like first person column dale earnhardt as a rookie yeah and i'll read those to you um we also you won't just hear my boring voice you'll hear um uh well you'll hear a lot of sound elements about you know the races themselves the mrn coverage of those races you know if i'm talking about a battle for the win maybe we drop in a little mrn um coverage from that particular race uh, as as Barney Hall and the guys call him oh. to the finish, it's just beautiful. Beautiful. Barney, Barney's voice mm. is like velvet, dude. It's it amazing. is. Yeah. It's and and listen, him back in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. Crisp. Yeah. So I mean, it's just beautiful. And his, uh, I, I don't want to go on and on, but I will. His <laughs> his delivery, dude. It was a weird. He had a way of not getting overly excited but at the same time captivating you and you're drawing the image in your mind right because you're listening to radio of the race and he he could help you really draw that image of what was happening in that battle and um i'm excited about this i've talked about it a lot i've been posting a little bit on my social media handles about it well we're dropping it tomorrow the first episode the first episode of eight and Unless we decide to make it even bigger, who knows? Roll but on. right now, yeah, right now it's eight episodes, and we're going to start off tomorrow when you when you tune in and listen to the first first uh, episode of Becoming Earnhardt, nineteen seventy nine. We're going to start off by basically framing up what was happening in pop culture of that time, take you back to you know get, get you get you mentally back to how far you know what what seventy nine was like, and how simple things might have been. But also, we'll tell you about the cast of characters, drivers, teams, crew, you know, owners, and and the silly season and all those things. So, um, everything that happened to get to that moment. We're also going to take you back. Um, I think we we do a really you know nice brief, but at the same time thorough education of Dad's progress to get that full time ride in 1979. Right? How how Austrian and him were able to connect. Why? He was chosen, and there's some pretty interesting sort of things that happen uh, that, that 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 you know really really were big breaks for Dad. And also, there'll be some sound elements of people that were involved in all of this. Right? We're going to hear from Doug Reichard. We had him come. Well, he's been on the show here at Dirty Mo Mini. We had him come back in and talk more specifically 
um, about all this. And we hear from my aunts, Kay, my dad's sisters, Kay and Kathy. This entire idea came from two scrapbooks that my Aunt Kay put together. That's how I how it spawned this whole thing. So she's going to tell us about, you know, imagine back in 1979, dad's first full year, she decides I'm going to start a scrapbook, Dale. And, you know, when I see an article of yours in the local paper, I'm going to cut it out and put it in here. She also cut out uh, the finishing order of every race. And uh, so this whole book is chronologically perfect, race by race by race, and every article that connects to each event. And not only, I mean, she did this over a course of 10 months. This wasn't like, hey, I'm going to sit down and make a scrapbook on a weekend with my friends. This was a project that she literally had to pick up and put down over and over for 40 weeks. That, to me, was most impressive because it's thorough. She didn't, sli- she didn't slack off. It didn't get thin at the end. Um, and so I got a hold of these and uh, actually put them in brand new books. These are kind of falling apart, these old originals, but um, kind of restored them, if you will. But anyways, uh, I cannot wait. The, like I say, the first episode's an introduction to what you're going to be, you know, going to be hearing about and the cast of characters and so forth, and then we dive into it, man. Right into race one. Episode two will take you through the season on all the way through to episode eight. Um, race by race. And all of the little anecdotes that I found as we dug through multiple types of publications, right? We might, we, we, we dug into... Those scrapbooks took us to a lot of other areas to find more and more information and more little stories to try to piece together some some fun things that I didn't even know. I learned a ton about this season, right? I mean, of course, I can look at the statistics. I can look at the, the finishing order. I, I know where— You can even watch the races. Yeah, I can watch yep. some of the races. You do it. Yeah. And so—but I didn't know—I'll give you one little detail. Give us right? a detail. Dad, in the 1979 Daytona 500, right? I'm watching this. I've watched this race over and over. Right? Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's a great race. One of the most important races in, I've said it, more most important races in history. And Dad runs in the top five and, 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 and leads laps, leads his very first laps in NASCAR history, right? We, do, we talk about that. And so he disappears in the last, I don't know, 25, 30 laps. And there's not a lot of mention about, oh, well, Earnhardt had this issue or whatever, right? Because he's a rookie. They didn't even expect to talk about him much during the whole day, right? But he does. He disappears. Um, finishes eighth in the running order. But he's at the, very tail, he's, he's at the very tail end of the lap down cars. So he, in the last handful of laps, he lost an entire almost two laps. That's right. Right? So something was wrong. Um, and I discover what that is. That's right. And I, I didn't know what it was. I, I assumed all these years that they just had a bad stop. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it was. You're going to tune in tomorrow to figure that out. But, you know, there's little things. There's another, there, you know, he gets injured midway through that year. You're going to learn. Blows in, in my a, mind what happened there. Yeah, you're going to learn later in an episode something about that whole injury. There was a bigger injury that, I mean, I, you know, there's just stuff that I learned uh, that I, I'm – Surprised I didn't know, right? 
right. about some of these things. So, but it's almost like you would have had to been there to know them. You right? would have like, had to. And in, in it's like, how? Did, what kind of gift did we land into with these scrapbooks? Yeah. What kind of gift? Because it's almost like it's like a portal that took yeah. us back and gives us details that you're just not going to get anywhere else. Know. And again, the articles that he wrote, I read them to you, man, and I'm hearing him talk. Oh, you know what I'm saying? You're so right. I can hear it's in his cadence. It's in his cadence. The choice of words. I can hear him saying all of those things. Right. I know that he had Joe Whitlock and a, and a, and a couple friends that were journalists that would help him. That probably sp- even told him, "Hey, man, this is a good idea. Let's do this. Let's do this bi-monthly article. You're a rookie. Let's get your name out there. Let's let's let the fans understand who you are." And he's like, "Okay, this sounds. If you say so, it sounds." You know, sounds like a little more work. I don't know. You could tell he doesn't he's, love it, but yeah, he's a he's rookie, pretty, so yeah. he doesn't know how to say no yet. Yeah, he's like, all right, if you think this is what I need to do. <laughs> and and he talks, he's, he says as much, right, in these yeah. articles. I guess i got to do this column this week. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, anyhow, man. So, for the next several weeks, we're going to be dropping an episode yeah. on Wednesday, okay? Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break, not a permanent one away from the guest segment on Wednesday and becoming Earnhardt is something that we're going to be bringing to you. And I believe you're going to love it. And I want to say, I want to also say, I'm not, I'm not giving you much of a chance to talk, but I'm about to Mike. All right. Um, Mike has said over and over, this is, you know, we're, this project becoming Earnhardt, we're doing it backwards. Right. So, and it's my, it's, it's my doing. I came to them <laughs> with, I basically came to them with the majority of the script. I, I probably wrote about, I don't know, 90% of it. And at first, a lot more. Uh, I wrote a lot of it to you and brought it to you. And I'm like, here, I want to do this. And this is how we're doing it. This is what I want to do. Mike had to then go and take the whole Dirty Mo team and rewind and and write a you know write an write an outline on how this show would run episodes spread it you know split it all up into into episodes then find ways to work in some of the sound elements from MRN and so I packed it up brought him a whole show and then he had to unpack it and then rewrite the show uh, to be able to put all these pieces in and we had a we had a crazy deadline I had a you know we had specific dates we wanted to get this going and get it out there, we'd have probably rather have took a little more time, but the team has worked in overdrive, and the quality of, we, we, me and you sat down and listened to episode one yesterday, it's meant. Uh, great quality, everything you'd expect from Dirty Mo Media, and it's something brand new, something that we've not done before, and I'm so excited about uh, getting it out there, and I want to do more of this type of stuff. I want to build more of this content, something you know, more personal, um, things we create, uh, and so this is exciting. First of all, you, what you just said there, I think the listeners are probably thinking it, and so I'll just go ahead and, it's, and say it's more important and it's better off the fact that we this this show is what your vision was, right? What you wanted it to be, mm-hmm. not what we wanted it to be. And and I'm gonna make this awkward for you because I'm gonna talk about you to the listeners right now. But if there's anything that I want them to catch on this, that is. If you want to peek into what makes Dale Jr. tick, this is that project. I would even say more so than even Lost Speedways. Lost Speedways was your idea. You fought for it, but then we went and we kind of built it, and you were part of the process. This show is 
100% Dale Jr. driven. It doesn't happen without Dale. He's put more hours into this thing than anyone. He would spend even time on, you know, on vacations or time with your family. You would spend researching and writing. That is a fact. And so what this show is, I don't, you can send it to us backwards. You can send it to us in a different <laughs> language, in your language, the, you know, from the Dale Shinari, as we call it, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's more important that we preserve that because what we have here, and I want the listeners to catch this, is a Dale Earnhardt, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a biopic on Dale Earnhardt, but also through the lens of Dale Jr.'s perspective as he's learning about his dad. And I, that, that's just, that doesn't happen. I couldn't dream that up. I couldn't come to you and say, hey, Dale, I got this idea. It just requires all of your time, and you're doing all the heavy lifting, and it's about your dad. Hey, who's in? Yeah. I can't do that. You that got, it's got to be from you. Yeah. I wouldn't have liked that idea. Right. You <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's exactly right. So what we have here is that Dale Jr., goes and he sees these scrapbooks. He comes into my office one day. I'll never forget that day. And he's like, you will not believe this. And he starts reading. And it's like, wow, yeah, we got to do something about this. The, the second thing I want to say is this series doesn't happen without the Motor Racing Network. I am so grateful for the partnership with the Motor Racing Network. MRN, they, the, yes, MRN and Chris Schwartz and Ryan Horn and that whole gang over there, the Barney Hall Velvet that we are we have access to is only possible because they wanted to partner with us on this project. And that cannot be overstated. I am so grateful. And because we got MRN races, boy, does it jump out. It It comes to life. So there is that. Let's see. What else do I want to say about this project? Um, We learn a lot. I'm going to echo a little bit what you said, but the things that we learn about the 70, these people were nuts. We think that we think we're a bunch of divas these days. You think we complain, boy, it was soap opera central in 79, the race, even in all the seventies, not just in NASCAR either open wheel racing. They've gone through their own public divorce. It might as well be like a Jerry Springer show motorsports in the seventies and eighties. And so here comes little NASCAR and they go produce a, a product in 79. And it made me realize this, and this can actually inform and inspire our opinions today. That is, the 79 season and our working on this project reinforces to me that NASCAR is a beautiful product and it's our own. And you know what it is? We get rough, right? We might b- bump you out of the way. Yes, we know. We might do green, white, checkered. We might. What you know, some racing enthusiasts may say is, you know, oh, they're, you know, they're manufacturing stuff or this, that, and the other. No, you know what? I just think NASCAR's tougher. All right, and t- the guys that have uh, uh, made this sport what it is, the Titans, they are tough dudes, and they are pillars, and they should be celebrated. In this '79, it's not just your dad; it's come the Allisons, it's Yarborough and Pearson. The Pearson storyline yeah, yeah. and what it, and for, yeah. yeah, I can't say it. I, I am blown away <laughs> yeah. about the effects that Pearson had on your dad that year. You guys are going to be crazy. That's later in the, in the series, but I am more grateful for our sport today because of this project and Mm -hmm. what we learned, because it's like, Hey, we ain't perfect. We're flawed, baby. This is what we are. It's our identity. We're stock cars. Dang it. We will bump you out of the way to win the race. We've got fenders. We will use them. And dang it, did they use them. And then they bitched about each other. I'm knocking stuff over on this table. I'm so excited. They, 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 they sit there. They had their drama. You got drivers leaving owners. You got owners dumping drivers. Dave Marcus, poor guy, just he quits after a race in a top five. He goes to the press center and he goes, I'm leaving. 
What what are we? This is drama, man. And seventy nine is a beautiful season, and we're going to roll it out for. That's them. right. And if you know, if fans engage with this, if our listeners uh, enjoy it, and as it goes through the process, we have another scrapbook. We have another. She did nineteen eighty as well. Yeah. In the same energy and urgency as she did nineteen seventy nine, we have an entire another season, which Dad ends up winning a championship in, which is as drama filled, even more drama filled for Dad. Um, and, uh, yeah, so if, you know, so we could have a lot of fun with this. I mean, no telling what we end up, you know, going in what direction we, we take this, but if it, if it, if the fans enjoy it and the numbers are good, um, I'd love to, I'd love to keep on creating projects like this because it is fun, man. I love learning. It is a lot of work sitting in that, sitting down and, and digging and try to find really the, the root of some of the stories and why things happen. I had to call, I called Bill Elliott yesterday just for some silly anecdote about a Dover race from 1979. And I'm like, Hey Bill, I hate to bother you. I know you're busy. I got this weird question and it's really going to be random. And he answers it. And I'm like, that's it, buddy. I'll see you later. I hadn't talked to him <laughs> in a year. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and, but you know, that's, I'm, it's worth the dig, right? It's, yeah. it's to be able to, bring the full story up and and like again i learned something from bill yesterday that we're going to put in a later episode of this becoming earn heart season that uh brings the whole story together right make it's like you have to have those parts to to be able to tell it um anyways uh we're excited about that again tomorrow it drops the first episode becoming earn heart and um yeah we'll keep on we'll keep on sharing stories about it i'm sure we're going to react to it on thursday a little bit And so we'll talk about that more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. We're in the middle of uh, potty training, baby number two. So we started that this week. Um, That's going really well. The first uh, trip through that process with our first child was uh, very new and and difficult and challenging. Uh, I think we're a little more confident this time, Uh, but it won't be without its challenges. It's interesting to me um, how when you're trying to go through something like that, um, there, here's a couple things that I didn't know happened, right? When I, when we, when we were going through potty training, I thought that, um, you know, you, you just kind of tried to encourage a child to, you know, here's a potty, you know, talk, you know, explain what's going on here. They've seen you use the bathroom. They know what a toilet is. Um, it's just kind of, takes time just like trying to um you know help a help you know try trying to train anything right trying to train anything takes like you know conversation and and reasoning but it's not like that at all (laughs) you have to apparently you know my well i'm sure everybody does it differently but amy basically is on house arrest for a, tr- a block of days, doesn't leave the house, might go out for a walk or something, but doesn't doesn't go. He, she's Nick. She's near that potty, 
Oh, she's staying at the house just for this at all times. That is a that's a, that's a commitment there. It's like a it's like you know you she it's as long as it takes, but it's gonna be like a in this case a, like a four day block of just her and Nicole and the and, pl- potty. And, the potty. <laughs> and it's right in the middle of the living room, and they just hang around, right? They just hang around the house, and Amy is Amy is like. You know, productive, doing things, cleaning, whatever needs to be done, whatever she can do. Um, but she's ready at a moment's notice to get Nicole to the potty. When Nicole, you know, if Nicole's trying to go over there and squat on the floor, you know, it's okay, let's go over here to the potty, right? So it's just, it's really, it's it's her attention is on that from the moment they get up to the moment they go to bed for a block of days. Didn't know it was that dedicated, right? I don't think I knew that. Yeah, and so... I think, and it's sort of like breaking a horse, I guess. It's like, after, you know, after, you know, you know how you Perfect see, them, you know, yeah, you know how see, you see it in the movies. The horses are wild and they're running around. And all of a sudden, they just, they just, they're tame. It's like a switch, right? <laughs> okay, we've broken this horse, and it's now this perfect horse that goes everywhere you tell it to go. Um, and everybody's so happy, right? Everybody in the in the movie, they're like, it's the hey. perfect analogy. Frankly, you celebrate it when, yes. when, when it happens. Yes. When it finally happens, it's, it's party worthy. <laughs> yes, and so. That's what she's in the middle of, um, and I. It was. It, I had this moment to take Isla and me out of the house and uh, out of the. So there's no distractions, right? If Isla's there, no. completely. Nicole's like completely distracted. This is not going to work, and so Isla has been gone for four days. We're um, we're about to all reunite. Okay. All right. The potty training is not to perfection. As it usually doesn't start I'm a little concerned, right? Because we, we're not, it's only been four days, but we've had some good progress. We've had some great moments. Um, but I, and Amy is like, you know, I miss y'all so bad. I uh, can't wait till y'all come back. This is going to be great. Nicole's going to want to show Isla what she's learned. And I'm like, I don't think it's going that way. I'm thinking it's going to be a big setback. Nicole's going to revert backwards. She's going to take a couple steps back in this process when when Isla comes, because she'll be distracted again, and then she'll you know she'll she'll start making mistakes, right? And Amy's going to think, ah, oh, this is oh, all this work and these, We've these days, yeah, yeah, these days of sitting around here doing nothing, being bored to death. Um, and so a little concerned about that, but we're going through it. Um, We've given Dirty Mo Doe something to bet on, whether Nicole goes backwards or forwards in hmm. uh, when Isla returns. Yeah. Steve LaTarte and Chopper don't need anything. They need any help. They'll yeah. do it. One of the Put things. Put a unit on it. Yeah. <laughs> not to get into, I guess, not to get too personal about this, but number one comes easy. Number two is a challenge. That part, you know, number one, number two. Oh, we're talking about the actual process, not yes. the kids. Yeah. Oh, number one, yeah. Number one comes easier. As it should, right? There's something about number two that's like scary. I, I can't quite. I don't really know exactly what the word is to describe it, but the number two is something that they are not freaking sure about. Like putting it in that potty, as opposed to their pants. Had no problem. It is a it really pants. hard thing for them to get to get right. their head wrapped around, right? right? Um, you mean I don't want to feel this for a couple hours uh, right? in a day? Yeah. Wait a second. Oh, that's weird. I know. <laughs> you would think that they would. Yeah. You, they would want. They're want, looking for opportunities. Yeah. To yeah. not have to set in. Right. right? But <laughs> um, 
it's a sca- I think it's a it's a scary thing and a privacy thing. You know, a bit a bit maybe a bit awkward for them when they're you know it's kind of like wearing uh, <laughs> it's kind of like um, wearing you know when you put sunglasses on right. People don't know where you're looking. You know, it's a, it, it, you sort of have this sort of insulation of privacy, right, when you have on sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And I think when they're wearing that diaper, they're like, man, I pooped and you don't know. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but now with this potty, everybody, yeah, knows, everybody knows what they've done. Especially when it's in the middle of the room. <laughs> yeah, right. Um. Which I, you know, which is a good bridge to another thing. So uh, we're going to move on from potty training to Austin Cindric. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, that's I'm a good sorry. segue. Yeah, I'm sorry. The the glasses thing brought up an idea of mine. Okay. So, um, but I read some comments from Austin Cindric this weekend. He's wearing glasses now. Started wearing them this week. I find that really fascinating because like Harvick wears them, Logano wears them. Do you, I don't, you know, maybe Dave Marcus wore glasses, but I can't think of a lot of race car drivers back in the day that wore glasses while they raced. Mm-mm. But, you know, Logano and, and, and Harvick, um, I, don't, I don't wear glasses when I race. I wear them all day long, but um, I, I, my eyesight's pretty good at a distance. It's reading, uh, but, I can, but it, I can still read gauges, you know, but uh, without them. But um, Austin Cindric's like, man, I'm I'm wearing these glasses. I went, got checked out. I need to see things better at a distance. It's I, it's awesome. Now I can, you know, I was at a race. I couldn't really see detail like I wanted to. And what he means by that, it's not a real dangerous situation. What he means by that is like a crack in the asphalt, right? That he's trying to put the left front tire on, right? Um, that's a little harder for him to find, oh, or some 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 very specific detail in the surface of the track where he's trying to position the car for the entry of the corner or transition or something like that. Those are the things he's talking about that he wants to see more crisper and he wants to be able to see in detail. So he feels like he's really hitting all the marks because six inches on that racetrack is the difference between first and 30th. Sure. And so, yeah. And so kudos to him for doing this. And he, I could read his comments and I could hear his, uh, I could hear his um, insecurities about wearing them because he says, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what people think I look like. I just want to see better. And I maybe you went through this too when you started wearing glasses. Is There's this sort of moment or a little bit of very short period of time of some, you know, feeling insecure. Do you look like a dork? Or, you know, you have everywhere you go, people are going to go, well, what are you doing now? What you got to what you got them on for, right? You all right? It happened to you. I mean, when you yeah. started wearing glasses, is yeah. when everybody started making comments. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and so, but he says, he's like, you know, he says this funny thing that I really could relate to. He's like, when he's like, I catch myself staring at people, and he's like, you know, I f- I only wore glasses when I was wearing sunglasses, and so when you're wearing sunglasses, you can stare at people. You can look anywhere you want for any duration you want. But now I forget I'm wearing just regular glasses and I'll be looking at somebody staring right at them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I have, I, I, remind, I like remember, oh, shit, I'm not wearing sunglasses. This person can see I'm literally staring them down, burning a hole in them. <laughs> and so that is so funny to me. 
because it's so true. Like when you first start wearing glasses, you forget that you uh, people can see where you're looking because you're used to just only wearing glasses when you're wearing sunglasses, right? Does hey, that look, make any sense to you? It, it uh, unfortunately, it does make sense. And I, I why I was, is that unfortunate? I, unfortunate because I was ready to go. Listen, there's He's no ready good to segue. This. <laughs> I, yeah, I was. No, there was no good segue from. Um, Potty training to Potty Austin Potty training to Austin Cindric, but I got to say, you you did do it. I nailed uh, it. You did it because uh, it, it's the insecurity thing. I didn't see yes. that coming. Congratulations on that. Um, you know, the, the thing that is amazing, how old is Austin Cindric, do you think? Uh, let's just say he's 28. I don't oh, you know, is he not 30? Oh, yeah, he wouldn't be 30 no, yet. No, no, right. No, he's, man, he's 26, 24. I, I found know. that uh, interesting because, uh, like, the day I hit 40 was the day my eyes decided to just, get, just to go down. Just, yeah. to just like everything started the day. That birthday, yeah, it was like just done. And I remember Latart said the same thing. Like Latart's like, they hit forty eyesight, and boy, if that's true. Yeah. So if whatever insecurities I had, and I know that you also went through this, whatever insecurities you had, imagine it twenties. As soon as 20s. you as soon, as soon as you put those glasses on, you could see what you have been missing a lot, which mm-hmm. is detail. Yeah. You're like, okay, I, let everybody think what they want. This yeah. is way better. I know. Um, and 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 that's interesting that Austin's going through that. I just can't believe he's as young as he is. Yeah. Well. I applaud him for for doing it because it there you can't it, it is something you can be insecure about especially if you're an athlete that's supposed to be perfect right and when somebody sees an imperfection in you they they it can it can be something they judge you by but I think he's I applaud him for being um, confident enough and smart enough like hey man I need to see this well I need to see in perfect detail I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because it'll make me better yeah and. But I remember the moment when I learned that my eyes weren't what I thought they were. What was it? Uh, I was at my mama's house, and we were cooking pizzas. It was pizza night. We were making homemade pizzas. Uh, probably about five, six, eight people around in this kitchen. Her, her, her glasses, reading glasses, were laying there. Or whatever. She wears glasses. I don't know. But um, they were just glasses, right? I don't know if she just got reading glasses or what. And so I put them on. And looked down at the paper on, or looked down at the, t- at the table, and I was like, "Holy crap! I can see so much better." And it dawned on me. I was like, "I didn't even know I wasn't seeing that great." That's right. Right. I thought my sight was fine, but when I put these on, I'm like, "Dude, everything is perfect. Like it's so perfect." And so I went to the doctor and I said, "Hey, you know, check check this out. This is my experience." And they gave me um, readers. I basically had glasses that were not um, prescription, but they had a reader in the bottom. So otherwise, I didn't really need to wear them all day long. Uh, I got comfortable wearing them all day long. They were just It was just a pain in the butt to take them off, put them back on. You'd leave them places, right? You'd walk away. Them and or break them. Yeah, you'd drive away, and they'd be left at the house or somewhere, and you'd get somewhere you need to read something. So I just started reading them, wearing them all the time. And then... Over the last probably four years, my my long uh, whatever they call it, I get it backwards, nearsighted, farsighted. But anyway, seeing it seeing it distance became more challenging, or just a tick blurry. Yeah, um, I thought when you were going through the concussion rehab, was I had glasses I in too. Yeah, but that was more to help my eyes. Um, so my eyesight, my eyes were a little messed up. Things were just blurry. Yeah, and so that helped my eyes relax, so I didn't have a strain that created headaches. Well, some of the physical exercises they had you doing was literally like eye exams. Yeah. I, I remember doing one, and it mm-hmm. was it was hard. Yeah. You know, you're, you're looking at charts and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, 
You know, this reminds me of something. I remember you back in the day. You used to love the fact that you could uh, see so well. See so well. Yeah. You'd come in bragging. They're 20, like, 2015, 2010. They put Beagle on there. They said, I see like a dog uh, or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. You I know. could see the bottom line at the thing, you know, the little tiny one. And then finally you admitted that you were just memorizing the I memorized the board, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you probably had bad vision all along. But Maybe. That me- but your memory was yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> I texted Truex the other day. He turned 43. And I was like, "Oh boy, time to go to the doctor. Get them, get them bifocals." <laughs> just he's like, oh, "Just yeah. stop on the way to the colonoscopy." Like, Forty-three years old, buddy. You might as well go on in there. Stop denying it. That's he's right. like, he's like texting me back. He's like, "No, man, twenty ten. I'm like, I was that guy. Yeah, yep. good times there. Well, uh, what else from uh, potty training can you equate to the NASCAR series? Well, nothing. But <laughs> me and you were talking about. Um, uh, I came. So Isla stayed with Kelly this weekend, my sister, two days, right? Hadn't seen her, miss her, miss her like crazy. Come into, come into the office yesterday, and uh, Kelly had brought Isla to Junior Motorsports. You oh, were here. Yeah. yeah, she was all over the place. Having I'm, fun. I'm like, hey, how's it going, Isla? Come, come give Dad a hug. Hey, missed you. Nope. Running in the other direction. Like I was going to – like it, I, you know, she's like – Worried I was going to say, hey, man, we're leaving. Yeah. Right? That's probably she's what she thought. Right. Yeah. So she's running another direction. I'm like, Isla, um, come back, man. I just want to hug. I'm go- you can stay. We're not leaving. And, uh, man, I mean, it was hours before she, like, give me any attention. And I was like, I know this is – people have told me this. They're like, you know, wait till she goes I – mean, wait till she's a teenager. They're never going to want to hang out with you. And it's she's five, and this is, this is happening. It broke your heart, didn't it? Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. And then, you know what? It's okay. She does did it to Amy last night. Get Amy on a FaceTime. Amy, can't, Amy missing her so bad. I was like burying her face in this chair and don't know. I, I, Amy's like, don't, don't you miss me? And she's like, uh-uh, I don't miss you. I'm like, don't say that. You do. Yeah. And it hurt Amy's feelings. Isn't that something, though? Like, when, you know, uh, as parents, you know, you, you really just look, look forward to the break. Like, yeah. you just need a break or whatever. But when you get that break, whether it's a date night or whether yeah. it's whatever it is, you just – all you do is think about your kids. Mm-hmm. My kids have been at camp for two weeks. And then when I say camp, I'm talking about in Florida, there is no – there's no conversations or anything. There's only the postal service is all you got. And I tell them, listen – Write me a letter every day. I'm going to want it, want it. And then they will always forget. And there's two weeks that you go without them. And then when they come back, you think, well, now I'm going to get this this just Dad, flood of love. And you. really, they're just ready to go to the next camp that they're going to go to. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah. You know, us dads, we try to be tough, but we actually are the ones that are most sensitive. Yeah. And we get our feelings hurt really bad by our yep. – especially girl dads, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, man. That's going to be tough. Because I – for up to this point, man – Every, you know, each child we had just brought more love in the house. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, me and Amy uh, love each other like crazy, and now I got two two more people in there that this everybody loves everybody. This is awesome. We all just want to be together. And, uh, like, literally, you give Isla a little independence, right? She goes spend the night with Kelly or goes somewhere to have a sleepover, and it changes Dramatically, well, right? Maybe that's the key. Don't send her somewhere fun. Well, who but, wouldn't want to go hang out with Kelly? Yeah, she's going. Right. She's going to treat you like now. In their mind, they're like, "Oh, there's this. I can go here. I can go there. When do I get another sleepover? Right. As soon as they come home. When's the next sleepover? Yeah. Who, when can I go to this house? Can I go to that house? You know. And so uh, that's a good point. Like I just, like you. You want your kids to 
to um, be independent and live mm-hmm. on their own because that's what we're training them to do, right? Yeah. Is be a, you know adults or whatever. But don't you kind of want them to have a little bit of homesickness? <laughs> Miss me a little bit? Yeah. And then when they don't, because mine don't, they love being gone. It's like, wait a second. I mean, it's a good life we got over here. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm a good guy. Right. You know, it was fun. But maybe that's the key. Yeah. Don't send them anywhere fun. Yeah. Make them want you back. Yep. <laughs> Oak Ridge Military Academy sounds good. Yep. So, um, <laughs> hey, um, my, I want to talk about wine for a second. Wine, like yeah. whining or like, like the drink. drink. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you like wine? No, I yeah. mean I, I'll drink it if it's. But boy, nothing gets me drunk or quicker really? than wine. Really? Yeah. So I've never been a wine drinker. Never. Um, Amy likes wine. Has one. Have a red with dinner or whatever. I don't know. You drink a white. You drink a red. There's reasons you drink one yeah. or the other. They all taste the same. I don't know one from you know. I don't know all the etiquette of wine drinking. Right. I did go uh, to Sonoma uh, just a couple years ago, and we went to some wineries and had some wine tastings. Great time, right? Had a fun time. But I've never drank a bottle. Uh, oh, a whole bottle yeah. by yourself? Right. Well, yeah. I've, yeah. God almighty. So, I, apparently... I've never done it and remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so, you know, people, I've, I'm a beer drinker, mm-hmm. right? Have been in my whole life. Turned 49 this year. And so, throughout the years, talking to people, having conversations, um, you know, People come in on a Monday after a weekend. Man, I drank a, you know, we had a great time. We drank a bottle. We drank two bottles of wine at dinner the other night. You know, talking to their friends. Yeah. You'll hear Latart and them. Latart. Man, right. we had a great time at the, right. at the dinner uh, Saturday night, man. We, whole table, we drank two bottles. And it costs, you know, 500 apiece Whatever, or something yeah. like that. They're going to throw that in yeah. there, too. Yeah. And, uh, but anyways, I have officially drank my first bottle of wine. Last yeah. week, and you're here to tell and it that. was yeah, and it was not too bad, but it was not too good. I did not feel good the next day. So there's a bunch of sugar in that. I learned. Yeah, I yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going. Look, well, I'm, what, what, what happened? What was the occasion, by the way? Um, just, just how we did were you end up in on with va- a bottle of wine? Just on vacation. We're on vacation. Whose idea was it? Uh, so I like. Uh, I say it wrong, but I, of course I say it wrong. Of course you do. I say I drink Pinot Gris. <laughs> Grease. You mean say it wrong or completely, completely Yeah, whatever. Whatever it is. What is it? Pinot Grigio? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I like Pinot Grease for Well, now it's a P- Pinot P-I-N-O, then a G-R-I-S. How do you say that? Those old peanut grease wines, you know. <laughs> you know they're good. <laughs> well, I like that one. It's I like the light. Like, you peanut know. Peanut grease light. Yeah. I don't like the... <laughs> I don't like I like the light ones, not the ones that are very uh, heavy and and f- I don't like a ton of flavor, and I like it to be s- really easy to drink, right? right? Right. And so that's the one I keep going to, and every every other one I try, and I'm not drinking a red. That seems like it's like drinking the it's like drinking a Guinness. Like it looks thick, right? Like it an looks IPA. heavy. Like, yeah. yeah, it looks super heavy. <laughs> I'm like I don't even want to try that. But uh, anyways, um. I'm, I got this. Uh, I, we got. I got a bottle, and I was like, "Man!" I started. Ha- I had one glass, and another glass. You know, throughout the day, the day goes on. I'm like, finally, I get to the end of the day. I'm like, "Wow, I've drank this. I'm, I must have drank this whole bottle." Really proud of myself. And then I woke up the next morning. Hangover. And I'm like, I don't like this. I feel terrible. Yeah. And then, uh, but but I didn't think about all the sugar that's in it. It's too much sugar in there. Like, yeah. it's the sugar that makes your hangover feel as bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going back. I like it, but I'm going back to beer. Or and here's an idea. Yeah. Don't drink the whole bottle all at once. Yeah, but I mean, I'm all I'm a I 
He's into it. Nope. So you know me, man. I drink. That's true. I don't. I don't. Uh, so sh- I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'm not a casual. You're not. You know. You're, you're all in. I'm not a small talker. Right. Um, <laughs> you're not a small talker. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah. yeah. So when I do want to have a drink, <laughs> I only want to drink. Will drink when I can drink all day. Yeah. Right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have a couple beers at dinner and. That's true. We go got home. beer in our beer fridge in here, but this not, it won't even cross your mind no. because this no, is not no. interested. Right. But if you said, "Hey, man, we're gonna hang out till six o'clock in this room," the 24 hours of podcast. Yeah, I'm right. gonna drink four or five in. of them things over there. Yeah. There you go. That's true. Yeah. So okay, well, good. Listen, I'm I'm curious though. Was this one of those things where Amy's trying to get you to check, uh, do new things and try new things, like the cryotherapy and the, the core was, classes, and now wine drinking? I was. Uh, we went on this. Uh, we went on this one trip several weeks ago, where there wasn't any beer. I won't tell you the place because I know nobody's interested in going there. So, um, anyways, I saw Amy's delight. And me drinking wine with her. Oh, yeah. Right? For dinner and sitting around the fire and whatever and listening to music at the end of the day. And I thought, man, I'm going to try to do this more because this really makes her happy. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, maybe I don't need to. Maybe it's just, you know, glass at dinner. Maybe that's hey, maybe that's my casual drink, right? Is this Glass the, of wine. This can't be the first time you drank wine, though, right? No. I mean, you got married at a vineyard. I did. And I got I drank wine when I went to Australia. Paul Morris, he has a winery. We drank some of their Cimarets, the name of their winery. We drank some of that. It's really good. That's where I learned a Pinot Gris is so good. Mm, yeah. In Australia. Yes. Got it. Paul Morris's Pinot Gris is super awesome. Good, as it would be. Yes. I, I would expect no different. Hey, hey I can't, he get ain't, I can't yeah. see him as being a sipper either. I think he's all in on yeah. whatever he does. Yeah. But Cimaret is his their wine back over there, and that's how I, I think that's the first time I ever drank any. You know, there's a, there, there's a wine distributor probably listening to this, and they are already going to pitch us on peanut grease, Dale peanut, Jr. wine. Nope, okay. Yep, the, I, I can see it coming. <laughs> Dale Jr.'s peanut grease. It might even be Sugarlands that's yep. going to get in the wine business now. Some of our listeners might not know this, but our friends at Lionel Racing, the official diecast of NASCAR, have an entire line of cars and haulers that you can find on the toy aisle at a store near you. Lionel's NASCAR Authentics Cars and Haulers can be found at all your local stores like Walmart, Target, Myers, and Lionel releases new cars in this line all the time. If you're already a 164 scale diecast collector, or if you're thinking about starting a collection, you want to check out the latest NASCAR Authentics releases. What's great about Lionel is that in addition to offering the diecast of the most popular Cup Series drivers in their NASCAR Authentics line, they make sure that smaller race teams and up-and-coming drivers are represented as well. The best way to find out when the new NASCAR Authentics cars are coming to your Walmart, Target, or Meyer store is to follow Lionel Racing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find out everything you need to know there, and be sure to also visit LionelAuthentics.com. Start that collection now or add to the one you already got. All right, man, let's move on and talk to Atlanta. What do you think? Oh, yeah, Atlanta. We have to talk about yeah. Atlanta. It was too good not to. I agree. Yes. So we both watched – well, we, of course I watched the race, but we both yeah. watched it. We um, watched – you watched the race, yeah. boy. You were into it now. Yeah. <laughs> you were into it. Yeah. I, uh, I lost my – I lost my uh, – I forgot where I was at. That's when you know it's good. Yeah. I mean, because you were just yeah. in, in the most true sense of, like, you were enjoying racing. Mm. 
I would have almost thought you had a beer with you. Not because you were acting drunk, but because you were having that much fun yeah. watching racing. Well, I, um, I've been thinking about it and thinking, man, am I overstating this? Uh, is, what is, why did this feel, why did this seem so amazing? Um, anyways, um, we're going to dive into that. You know, I think that, uh, first off, Atlanta, there was the threat of weather, all right? And <clears throat> I don't know about, I think the door bumper clear boys were saying, yeah, that race was exciting because, right? Everybody's racing to rain. But that's not true entirely. Oh, yeah, they were saying basically they wondered if the sense of urgency was creating more chaos. They are absolutely correct in that in that window of, you know, when we're racing toward the halfway point and then beyond it. Yep. Which would have been around, you know, lap 100. But that first 100 laps, when everybody knows it won't be an official race, we're not racing to a halfway, we're not racing to rain. We're not, there, the rain and the weather issue was not a factor in the first 100 laps of that race. It just wasn't. Because it wouldn't have been an official race. It would, they were racing, they were racing hard for other reasons. Yeah. Right? Whatever they were. Yeah. And I was as, I was as thrilled, captivated, entertained by the very first stage as I was the second stage. Like, I couldn't believe the first stage was as good as, as it was. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, if stage one's like this, what the hell stage three going to be like? Right. Holy moly. Um, <clears throat> what they've done, man, is, and, and there was a lot of criticism and concern about the reconfiguration of this racetrack. A lot. A lot. But look, Atlanta was in bad trouble. We all love that old surface, but fans didn't. There were nobody in the stands for those last, I don't know, eight or ten events. Oh, maybe even more. Yeah. Now like, it felt like on life support. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but whatever they were, it doesn't really matter. They weren't there. Fans in you know weren't weren't selling out this racetrack. Yeah. And so, so much so that it was almost an indictment lost, on the Atlanta sports market. It was so yeah. bad. Yeah. It lost a date, lost a race, lost a race. Yep. I honestly feel like it was in jeopardy of losing another another date entirely and and being removed from the schedule. I mean, there was certainly a lot of doubt around the the future of this racetrack. This racetrack that had been a place we had crowned our champion for over a decade. That's a right. place that was m slammed full of people. Iconic. Back in the 80s and 90s. Now, this track struggled with attendance early when it first came out in, in, in the early 70s, late 60s. But from probably mid 70 on through, especially through the mid, through the late 80s, all through the 90s, this place delivered. It was amazing racing. A true one half mile oval racetrack. They put the dog leg in there, repaved it, reconfigured it. I never loved that. I talked about it. Uh, man, I, I never got it. I was so mad. I never got a chance to race on the true oval that Atlanta was before 1996. And as the asphalt aged, the track did become really fun for a driver, but it wasn't selling tickets. And so the reconfiguration was a, I think, last ditch effort to save this market for us save this racetrack save this property and so 
I supported the, the choice that Marcus made to do it. It was a massive investment that he was making in something that was failing, a risk he was taking on his own that I thought needed to be supported. So what he's done, though, is he paved this racetrack with some newer technology or some technology that would hopefully provide uh, a, an aging racing surface. And they shifted away from new technology and pavement. They're paving the streets out on the highways, right, with technology that they hope would last forever. Well, they started paving racetracks like that back in the 2010 to 2012 era. Even, even the last time they paved Charlotte Motor Speedway, they used this newer technology that was way more durable. The grip in the track was going to sustain forever for a long period of time, right? That was not a good idea. Thought it was because if you're an owner of a racetrack and you're paving it, you want to pave it with the best shit you can get. That's right. The bottom line. Not good because it provided a terrible product. Bottom line is a great word, Mike, because that's all you got at Charlotte. <laughs> the bottom line. You got a one Everybody groove. running right on the bottom because everybody went where the grip was. That's right. But now that track's, you know, eventually starting to show what it's really capable of. But it's taking years to get there. They backed away from that technology when they repaved and reconfigured Atlanta. This asphalt here is supposed to age rapidly at the, at the risk of actually – being more expensive and needing repaved even sooner, they went with this technology. And when we showed up this weekend, the actual color of the track was substantially grayer and older looking than what we remember and recall from last year. Now, this is only the third race on this brand new surface, and it is graying out quickly. Yeah. And when we started watching practice and qualifying and then in the Xfinity race, you could see the guys were on edge. Cars out of control, guys busting their ass. It continued to happen in the cup race. Yes, it did. You want to see guys bust their ass. You want to see it look like it's hard. Yeah. And it looked hard. It looked hard. It did. And it was surprising them, man. It weren't, they were, they'd, they'd go down in the corner and bust their ass, and then you'd hear them say, man, I was confident. I had great grip. And then the next thing I know, I, I don't know how that happened. I got too confident. Yeah. Right? That's the we need them to be, you know, that's things we need happening. I'm glad you said it. You said it right. They were on the edge of out of control yeah. again. And that's that's when the racing is at its best. Yeah. You have to decide when to lift. You have yep. to decide to do all these different things to stay in control of it. And it, then if you try to go cross that edge, you lose it. There was a lot of lifting. And that process of the track aging, that type of racing, getting more and more involved, you know, that type of lifting and, and passing and comers and goers, that's going to increase with every trip we take to this racetrack. Mm. And so we had cars on the bottom, in the middle, at the, on the fence. They were, they were cars with massive runs, passing three or four people in one corner and then backwards the next. And there was just, it, was this, it was just this accordion effect of passes always happening in every corner. It was so fascinating. Yeah. Um, and it is one of a kind. It's a very unique track, don't you think? Uh, and now it is. Yeah. It's got its own story. It's it's like every racetrack and every race event is its own brand. I always yeah. look at it like, what is the memory? What is the effect that you're going to have? you got to invoke a reaction. And if the, if the reaction is boredom or empty grandstands, that is your brand. Atlanta was there not that long ago. Now we've almost all forgotten about that and are excited about a race that was also rain-shortened. Yeah. Two weeks in a row we had – 
positive vibes and feelings of rain-shortened races because the, comp- the product was so dang good. And you saw drivers, the best in the world, losing control and not knowing how to figure it out. And that is a beautiful thing for, for us. And you, in your broadcasting, brought that out. Like you were in disbelief and, and also just in joy of being able to watch people, drivers, have it all in their hands. It, that's what we want. You want the drivers to have everything in their hands to we'll figure out who the best one is. And so I want to celebrate um, Atlanta Motor Speedway being one of, the, one of the hottest tickets on the circuit now. Um, everybody has their opinion about where they want to go to see and what racing they want to see, but I think Atlanta has jumped way up the charts. It has. Um, and I expect to see a per, pretty awesome crowd there going through the next year, next year's events. Um, Wait, did you have a, a thought about the, the outcome on it? Did you think that yeah. they, uh, I mean, well, I've, there were, I want, there was a few more things I wanted to say. Okay, so, go ahead. so we have this incredible, uh, racing, we had this great, you know, event at Chicago. I mean, the weather sucked, but we still, I mean, I think the weather actually made some of the, made some of the excitement we saw at Chicago, but it was, you know, for me being out there getting soaked in it, it was in the fans as well. It wasn't very fun, but, um, we had a really great, um, success at Chicago. We had a ton of fans tune in for the first time ever to watch NASCAR. We had fans that came to Chicago for their very first race, so many fans came to that race for the very first time. Those same people, a large majority of them, tuned in to Atlanta to watch the next race. And they weren't let down. And they weren't let down. That's and they right. saw something completely different That's right. than what they saw in Chicago. That's right. And they're thinking, holy crap, this is wild, man. What That's a variety right. of excitement. And so I wanted to make sure everybody understood how important that these last two weeks have been for NASCAR. We, you know, we may look back years from now and, and still com, com, continue to comment on what these two weeks might have, might have done for the sport. Um, and, and can I just uh, add to that and say, thank God that the big industry leaders like Marcus Smith don't let the, the, the volume of criticism and the pessimism that even myself might be contributing to or the podcast host yeah. or, or but certainly drivers. I mean, Justin Algar was quite critical just the last time they were in Atlanta. Like, this is, this is a circus. This is nonsense. Kyle Busch, very vocal. Thank God the industry leaders, the bold ones, yeah. the ones that make big swings, aren't afraid to fail. Yeah. But they know that, hey, this thing doesn't have a future unless I go swing big at this. And I'll go ahead and be the risk. I'll take the risk of being the idiot here. But he goes and puts that banking in that speedway and does that technology. Thank God he doesn't listen to us. Well, I think he didn't have a choice. Because of this, you know, the direction the track was going, I think he was kind of um, didn't have a choice. He had to he had to swing big. But but I also think about NASCAR going to Chicago. Do, I'm, I'm seeing some things about what they'll do next year. Mm-hmm. Listen, as a sport, I don't ha- we can't, we can't let these people get, feel bad about making even ourselves big... right. Because hey, I mean, I was right. I wasn't a home, I wasn't on board with Chicago that's until right. I went out there a month before the race to look at it. Uh, didn't feel good about it. wasn't sure if that's you know. If we're gonna do a street race, we're gonna do some. We're gonna do one at a place that's never had one before. Um, anyways, um, we're all skeptical of change, right? And we love tradition and nostalgia. But um, Atlanta and Chicago have both shown us that you know sometimes new ideas and new innovation can succeed and be successful. But the um, I. Uh, I was sitting there thinking I might be watching 
I was I was definitely more entertained than I've been in a in as long as I can remember. Mm. Um, I was more entertained lap by lap than I've been in a, a long, long time. And so, you know, and I don't want more of it. I want that to be specific to Atlanta. Thank you. I only want to see this at this racetrack. Yeah. But whatever this is, whatever we call it, it's like there's there's a now there's a an in between of yeah. super speedway drafting and the intermediate yeah. uh, you know speedway racing. I don't know if it's like uh, this restrictor plate raceway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I want Atlanta to be the owner of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, with that said, though, you know there's there's been talk about Texas, what to do with Texas, what should Texas become. Um, if there's one track that's close to what we have at Atlanta, it's not really the same at all. But if there's one track, if they were to repave it, which um, Texas may get a repave, I don't know. Um, that place right there would, would inch close to what we have at Atlanta. And I don't want that to alarm people. You know, they may not need to touch Texas. I think with this car, this package, um, we might need to go back to Texas as it is uh, to see. Because, I mean – it might actually end up putting on some pretty good races there. I would, I would, if anything, consider re, you know, re, redoing, redoing turns one and two back to where it originally was. I just think that flatter corner that they put in there years ago really screwed up transitions and everything for all of us. But agreed. Um, anyhow, Atlanta's future looks really bright. That's thrilling and good for all of us. We need to race in that market and that track. I expect that area. If you know anything about the Kansas Speedway. And what was there when they built that track versus the development that's happened around it since? Keep an eye on Atlanta because I ah. think with what we're having with you know with the crowds that may start going to that racetrack, that area around there, hotels, restaurants, yeah, the it's barren and it's ready to go. I used to love going to Kansas just to see what it, what yeah. they've added just in the yeah. time that we had been gone, yeah. like in a year. Yeah. And so Cabela's you got and all kinds of oh, stuff. Right, the the MLS stadium right yeah. there at the entrance going into the, you know, like everything built up around the racetrack. Um, so it, you're saying if that happens with Atlanta, boy, would it yeah. be awesome. I think that could. So five, five, ten years down the road, that whole entire property and everything around it could be completely different. Um, yeah, the finish of the race, I, um, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Dude, I didn't love it. I mean, I wanted more. Right. I wanted to see more action. I wanted to go to the checkered. I wanted more of what I was getting that night. But um, the way, you know, when the when the rains came, the rains were pretty substantial. I don't have an argument. I don't have an argument or a problem with NASCAR riding around under caution and the drizzles and what should we do? That we should have turned them loose. We should have ran a few more laps. There was, you know, ten minutes to get, you know, a few more laps in. Um, I think that would have been, I don't know, kind of foolish, but. Uh, not it didn't it wouldn't have changed my opinion about the race or or you know I I think the other argument though is on the backside of that storm right the, the it, I, people were saying by eleven thirty the the storm had passed right and the yep. rains were gone but the the lightning wasn't the um I got this lightning app we were joking about it in the booth between the commer during commercials. But there's, I've got this app, and it gives me this eight-mile ring, and it tells me all the strikes that are happening in real time. And as everybody knows, I mean, those the lightning holds are a real – they're a new, unfreaking fortunate reality in all sporting events. 
they're there for damn good reason. They're frustrating. I mean, we're at you know we're at Chicago and we're under a lightning hold, but I hadn't seen any lightning. But yeah, it certainly wasn't raining. Right. We right. definitely de- well, the alternative is not uh, preferable. Uh, we certainly don't want anybody injured or worse. And so I say that because while we did have the storm had cleared the lightning hold and all of that, I mean, I think we wouldn't have been racing till twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning, drying the track and all of those things, right? So that's not, that's that's not realistic. No. Um, a lot of people had a problem. Um, you know, don't you? Do you have any issue with how the race? I don't feel let down at all. Me either. Nope. I don't feel let down at all. I think they had to do what they had to do. Yep. Spotter Brett. I don't know who else talking about should the race be three hundred miles. Yeah, right. So when the product wasn't good, we we have when the product's not good, right? We have conversations like, well, we don't need to run at all these tracks but once. We don't need a 500-mile event here. We need a 400-mile event. We don't need 400 miles. We need 300 miles here. Mm. This race is too long. This race is too long. You're this right. race is too long. When the product's good, we, we want should more. want more, not less. That's a good point. And you, I have a three I, – I mean, I don't know uh, how long – I think the, the Xfinity race there might be 200, 250 miles. That's yeah. your short event. That is, yeah, yeah. We don't want to get – you know, I, I've always – felt like you know when we start talking about shortening the schedule which dude it is a freaking long schedule it's a grind but when we talk about shortening races and we talk about not racing at certain racetracks i get really pissed off because we're only saying those things because we don't love what we're seeing can we not just fix what we're seeing can we not just make what the product better and a great example of that is atlanta we've been going to atlanta forever and, you know, there's conversations about, well, is it too long? Should we shorten this race? These races are long and boring. Well, now we got a damn good product, and we love every single lap, so let's not talk about shortening it. Let's leave it as it is. It's one of the best products we got, right? Now we're racing there two times a year <laughs> instead of one, as we should be. Yeah. Should we be dialing Atlanta back to one race a year? Hell no. Nobody wants that. Not after this weekend. And a third. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's go there four times. Um, That's so interesting. I mean, I'm not well, I'm not considered this until you're bringing it up. So it's like... Listen, uh, the, the Dover races that were 500 laps, I agree. Yes, that might have been a bit of a stretch. Going back, going down to 400 where we are today in modern right. times feels better. Okay, yeah. that's, a, that's a reasonable argument. Pocono, 500 mile races there, 200 laps. I get it. No, thank you. They were long ass <laughs> races. Now we're down to 160 laps, 400 miles. Um, I, you know, I think when the product stinks, it's, we need to not shorten races or remove tracks from the schedule. We need to fix the product. Yeah. We want to, things should be, that's a whole nother way of thinking. We need to make sure the product's good because we need to be always wanting more, not wanting less. But but the the counter argument to that Dale, and this is not me disagreeing with you. This is me just saying the counter argument is the less is more theory. Like if you right. go less, then you will the want NFL. more. But, but you want them to feel more. Yes. I want to feel like that. I, I I'm looking forward to college football season because I don't get it. But three months a yeah. year, right? Yeah. Um, and then you know four if you get a bowl. And so that's okay. the, that's the counter argument. I like that argument. The NFL model, right? Of 
uh, the short season, man, you're waiting all year training camp and listening to stories and learning about the team and the players trying to make the team. Can't wait for the games to start. Um, you go 16 weeks or whatever, and your team's out of the – not even make the playoffs, and you're like, well, shit, now i got to wait a whole another year. Yeah, it goes by so fast. It does. It goes by fast. I get that model. I guess I would say is – we had an, we had what one of our I, we have one of our most entertaining products at Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. And we're and we got people talking about shortening that race, where we have we have work to do in other places. Short track package, road course package. We got work to do. Yeah, we'll get a chance to do that this weekend when we go to New Hampshire, right? I mean, stay, like, stay focused. Yeah, yeah. Shortening up a race that's freaking totally fine. Right. <laughs> Focus. Keep your eye on the prize, man. <laughs> They're going to New Hampshire, Mike. We're going to New Hampshire this weekend to race. But that might not be the most important days of the week for New Hampshire. Okay. What is Monday it? and Tuesday, a handful of drivers are staying back uh, after the Cup Series race is over. And they're going to test a new short track package. Ah, yeah. okay. And so I even sent out a tweet. I think William Byron, Ryan Priest, Christopher Bell, a couple other guys are going to be testing this package together. It's about six. And I said, hey, the future of short track racing in big league stock cars is on y'all's shoulders. Monday. Yeah. That's if y'all don't come out of here with an answer, we're screwed. We are. So... <laughs> it, no matter what they find, even if they get, even if they find what they believe to be the the holy grail, right, the answer to short track racing with the next gen car, even if they find it, Mike, the parts and pieces that are made by the single suppliers right. will not be made and developed in enough bulk to be able to give to all the teams until next year. That's right. This even if it's the right, shit, they can't bolt it on every car at Martinsville this year because they can't make enough to provide for everybody in the in the series, and so. If they miss this and they don't nail it and we go to next year with it and it doesn't work, we're back to square one. And and it's, you know, the best hope we have is 2025. There that, you that we go. We come back and salute. So, yeah, there I you see go. your point. This is interesting. So now i got to pay attention to uh, the New Hampshire on Monday and Tuesday. The of New next Hampshire week. test. Right. And <laughs> they need these drivers need to be smart enough to understand what they're there to achieve. So don't take it like – I don't know. You would take a test session. You're years not ago. there. You're not there to make your car faster. You're not there to help your car turn or help your team learn or help your crew chief learn. You might need to sacrifice some of that for the good of the sport. You also might need to understand that it ain't. You're not there to try to test what feels good. Ah, not what feels good to you. You, what, you need to test and be thinking, like, what is going to help our cars put on the best race when we go to a short track? A.K.A. maybe not feel so good. Yes. That's right. So what we need to understand is, a, is to figure out how to, A, eliminate shifting, which I think they're actually working on some ideas on how to do that. I don't know if that's going to be part of this test. They're doing a lot of arrow stuff at this test. And so if one of these guys goes out there and he – He's, you know, they're racing in a, in a line of, you know, they get four or five of them lined up and the guy out front is not comfortable and he gets passed. And then the, then the next person that now is out front is not comfortable and he gets passed. They better not come in and go, oh, this sucks, man. You can't lead. Right. Can't do that. You got to be thinking differently at this particular test. It's a different, it's a diff, you're, you're being handed a different 
test to take and a different responsibility to achieve a unique result. And so I think mentally they need to make sure they go into this test. I'm, tr- I'm, dude, a lot. I'm telling you, I know it's, a, I know I joke about it, but a lot is riding on this. Yeah, a lot. Who is who's testing again? I need na- to get my na- damn tweet out. Yeah, now I'm now I need to take this more seriously. Well, um, it's, you know, not. You a, said Ryan Priest. Yeah. You said Byron is there. William Byron. Yeah, good. I mean, I have to get the damn tweet out, Mike. I don't remember all the names. I'm, I'm, just give me a second. Um, Byron's part of it. Uh, okay, here we go. William Byron, Christopher Bell, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Ryan Priest, Eric Jones. So, you know, they're all very capable. Of course, you'd, you know, you might love to have a, uh, Kyle Bush or Harvick even. Harvick going, you know, he's going out. No, think about it, Mike. He's on his way out. He doesn't, he won't have an agenda, mm. right? He's, he's, Harvick would have been perfect for this because He's going to be thinking about the the, sport. the, uh, the objective at hand the for product. this particular test, right? Yep, yep. What they really need to achieve, and he might also be able to corral the guys that are there to keep them on task, right? Yeah, guys, we need to make sure this is what we're trying to accomplish here. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, there, it's a big, it's a heavy responsibility. Just something for everybody to keep their eye on. Um. And I know how important those tests are. If you tell me they aren't, I'll tell you about one at Indy that, that resulted in the very massive uh, tire gate issue with Goodyear. Um, I was part of that test. Tell us. Well, I mean, we went to Indy to test, right? We're out there running. Uh, we had a few tires that we liked that wore and uh, ran more than 12 laps. But we ended up going with a different tire that I didn't prefer. Um, I believe another driver in the garage thought that tire was good, and that's the tire that ended up falling apart after 10 laps. You couldn't run hard, right? Jeff Gordon. Blower. No. No, it wasn't <laughs> Jeff Gordon. He's not in the sport anymore. Um, but anyways, I mean, these, these, tire, these tire tests at times, at certain points in our history, are very critical. And this would be one that's not a tire test. It's more of a short track component test to try to figure out how to get the short tracks to race better. This is a massive deal. To think, it, to think otherwise would be a mistake. Yeah, I like it. All right, everybody. Uh, Mike, man, great conversation. A lot of fun talking to you today. Did a lot of current events, man. I enjoy doing that. Um, we had a really important weekend. Come off of that. We had a big show today. We got a big show tomorrow. Remember, the first episode of Becoming Earnhardt is dropping tomorrow. I am on pins and needles. want to thank Ally for everything they do for us here uh, and for sponsoring today's show. Dirty Air is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Thank you, Ally. We appreciate everything you've done for us here at the Dale Jr. Download and from the entire Dirty Mo Media team. We appreciate everything you do for the uh, the sport of NASCAR. We'll see y'all Thursday. Enjoy tomorrow's show. Check out check, check, check out Dirty Mo Media. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. <laughs>